Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to episode 74 of Luke 21 Radio. We're in our second part of the letter to the church in Laodicea, and I sure hope you got a chance to listen to episode 73, because it's really a background to what we're doing today. The church at Laodicea was in a terrible condition. It was the worst of the seven churches described in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. I've made a, a little formula that tries to answer the question. Let me get the question first. What caused the church of Laodicea to fall into such a terrible condition? And here's my formula. Cultural assimilation, and this plagued all the seven churches, but cultural assimilation plus wealth led to pride, self-sufficiency, and spiritual poverty. Let me give you that formula again. And again, this is what caused the church in Laodicea to fall in such a terrible condition. Cultural assimilation plus wealth led to pride, self-sufficiency, and spiritual poverty. Again, the city was at the intersection of three imperial trade routes. It was wealthy. It was a commercial center, banking center, medical center, and commerce center, and it had wealth. Okay. Now, I'd like to dig in just a little bit on what St. Paul tried to do for the spiritual formation of this church that then later backfired. But first, what should you try to do today? If you're a parent with your children, if you're a Catholic educator with your students, if you're a catechist, what should you do with your class? It's very interesting if you turn to the book of Colossians. Colossae was a neighbor of Laodicea just 10 or 11 miles away, and St. Paul writes in chapter 2 of Colossians, starting in the first verse, he says, I want you to know how greatly I strive for you, that's the church in Colossae, and for those in Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen my face. St. Paul's strategy, he went to Ephesus, a big center in this part of the world, which is now Western Turkey, and he basically wanted the gospel to radiate from this center out to towns like Colossae and Laodicea. And this is what he tries to do in verses 2 and 3. Try to listen carefully that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in love to have all the riches of assured understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm just scratching the surface here uh, I've done a series entitled Transforming Grace. You can get that CD from dads.org, and I'm writing a book on this topic. But the point being, St. Paul was aiming for the spiritual enlightenment of their hearts. Now, people might say, oh, I didn't—I thought St. Paul was— really smart. He was. He was like a triple PhD. He was a bright, bright person. But St. Paul knew that there was something about the human being that 
yes, you use your mind, and he was obviously a very rational, very educated, well-educated person, both in the Hebrew scriptures and the, and the Greek-speaking world. But as you read the English Bible today, many people, when they read heart, think, oh, I need to have kind of this warm, warm, emotional feeling towards Jesus. Well, that's nice to have. God loves us to have warm emotional feelings towards his son, Jesus. But in the New Testament, the Greek word for the emotions isn't the heart. It is not the heart. It's the bowels or the guts, if you want a part of the human anatomy referring to the emotions. And then you have the mind, and we're to love God with our minds, but the heart is the deepest part of the human person. And this is where Christianity will either stand or fall. It's the organ of perception. It's the organ of illumination. And you don't need a PhD. You don't need to study uh, philosophy or theology. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Pope Benedict XVI, perhaps the most intellectual pope we've had in a long, long time, said this, quote, the organ for seeing God is the heart. The intellect alone is not enough. What in the world was, was he talking about? Well, it's just what St. Paul was saying here, that their hearts are encouraged, that they might have the wisdom and knowledge of the mystery of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, God is a living person. He's not a a factoid that you read about in USA Today. St. Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, remember, this is the same part of the world, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. To know God is a gift of grace given by the Spirit. And then St. Paul goes on in Ephesians 1, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. In other words, this perception comes from a deep part within us. And I just need to say there are some folks who are very bright, who are speaking and writing and everything else, but it's like a lot of facts, a lot of religious facts, but is it rooted in the heart where the eyes are truly opened? St. John Chrysostom, uh, probably one of the best preachers that's ever been in, in the history of the church, had a, a prayer that he prayed frequently before either reading or listening to the Word of God, and it goes like this. O Lord Jesus Christ, open the eyes of my heart that I may hear thy word and do thy will. Open my eyes that I may perceive the wonders of thy law. Speak unto me the hidden and secret things of thy wisdom. Here was one of the greatest preachers. And you know, with a lot of religious facts in the mind, with a heart untouched, St. Paul says that person becomes a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. It, it's, it's void of life. Now, that wasn't a detour. I am trying to answer the question, what caused the church of Laodicea to fall into such a terrible condition? 
And unlike some goals of catechesis today, which are simply aiming and informing the mind, and you certainly do that, you also fully engage the heart, the deepest part of the human person, if you don't want them to fall away as soon as they go off to college or leave home. And here it is. Riches, which plagued the church of Laodicea, riches which plagued ancient Israel, riches which plagued the United States of America. When I say riches plagued, I am not a socialist. Um, I'm not a communist. Uh, I happen to think that uh, a lot of things discovered in this country are great blessings, but we need to realize that the danger of riches is that it competes for place in the human heart. Listen to Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the reason that the Christians in Laodicea were blind, and this town was known for a, a, a healing eye medicine that was exported to all parts of the Roman Empire, and Jesus says, you're blind. Why? Because the heart only has room for one. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't have. It's impossible to have two masters, for you will either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I realize that sounds very un-everything that we've been led to believe in this country, but it's an impossibility. And because of the riches, these early Christians didn't guard their hearts and were just simply sucked in to the pagan culture in which they were living, and they were at the point of spiritual death. Jesus is outside knocking on the door of this church. Please let me in because you're so full of your stuff, so full of your riches, so full of yourself that I'm on the outside looking in. Now let's bring this forward. Probably one of the worst parts of the Catholic Church today, Church of Laodicea, would be Germany. Germany gets 6 billion euros a year from the German government. And I read one report, very accurate, says the Catholic Church in Germany is, quote, spiritually impoverished and in decline, yet rich in material means. 160,000 people left the Catholic Church in Germany last year, while only around 2,500 converted. Um, rich? Yeah, but impoverished. You know, there is a major problem facing Catholics in the United States when Catholics immigrated to the U.S. They wanted to assimilate into U.S. culture. And Russell Shaw has written a very interesting book on the American church, and this is what Archbishop Charles Chaput wrote in the foreword to that book. To the decree Catholics have longed to join the mainstream of American life, to become like everyone else, to accommodate and grow comfortable and assimilate rather than to be other than and holy, we've abandoned who we really are. Clergy and religious face this temptation just as vividly as laypersons. Like the Jews in the days of Jeremiah, too many American Catholics have too often forgotten the covenant, 
we've burned incense to other gods and worshiped the works of our hands. And that's, again, Archbishop Charles Chaput. And you know, the Catholic Church in the United States has received about $1.6 billion from 57 government agencies since 2012. And I know these big numbers you throw around, but a billion is 1,000 million. And all of this money is more addicting or as addicting as crack cocaine. And I have to wonder, why don't we ever hear corrections to radical pro-abortion Democratic leaders? Why are they rarely disciplined or forbidden to receive the Eucharist? I don't know, but maybe $1.6 billion has a way of clouding our judgment, just the way it clouded ancient Israel's judgment, just the way it clouded the perception of this early church of Laodicea. They couldn't even see their own spiritual condition. CNN, who's no friend of the Catholic Church, but did a contrasting uh, picture documentary of the lavish homes of American bishops, and you can Google this, the lavish homes of American bishops, CNN, and they contrasted it with Pope Francis's living conditions. And you know, <laughs> um, I realize that these big palatial mansions for cardinals and archbishops and bishops were made to say we're part of the American mainstream, but maybe we should be a little bit on our own Catholic stream and not try to impress others. You know, at the funeral of John Paul II, kings and queens and presidents, and here, John Paul II, one of the greatest men of the 20th century, lay in a pine box. His death and his funeral was a message to those who have ears to hear. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 74 of Faith and Family. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at Luke 21.com.